What's going on, guys? Josh here. If you enjoy the show, the best way you can support us and what we're doing here and on Instagram is supporting us on Patreon. There's several tiers with several different perks, which include rankings, optimal players to draft, trade values, AMAs, and more. Or if you just want to partner with us in the simplest way possible, leave a review of the podcast and share it with a friend. Now, enough for me and enough of that. Let's hop into the episode. This is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson, Ben Watts in the driver's seat with you, talking fantasy football, getting ready for week one. We're doing Almost the thing. There, boys. We're, coming off, we're coming off a weekend of fantasy drafts galore. I don't know about you, but I ended up having basically all my redraft leagues draft this past weekend. Yeah, so, I've, I've had a ton. Yeah, it it's a fun time. It's that it's basically it's what we've been counting down towards all summer. It's the reason we started this whole thing anyway. It's a fun time. So coming Kinda out of all we got these the drafts, idea from this for this episode is how we were just like looking. I was in the middle of a draft actually, and I'm like watching a player fall. I'm like, I never take this player, and I like immediately text you like, we need to do this episode. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking at all the teams that we drafted. I'm personally in nine leagues this year, so fair amount. Um, less than some, more than most. But we're noticing that there's a lot of guys we end up drafting, uh, a lot of guys we end up passing on as well. So we're sort of taking a look at maybe it's ADP, maybe it's we don't like the player, any number of different things. We're looking at the players that we're not really drafting at all, but also we're looking at the players that we're drafting a lot of. Uh, and it'll be something I guess we can come and look at at the end of the year and see, you know, were we right about these players? Were we wrong about them? And have a barometer going into next year. But before and we I get guess into this all is like that, a disclaimer. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say like it's a disclaimer. So there's no like confusion. It's not like a final avoid this player, don't avoid uh, or target this player. It's just like looking at our own personal leagues. These are the guys we have a lot of. And like as we were drafting, we're taking note of guys that we're just, for whatever reason, passing on every single time. Yeah, and also, I think I mentioned this to you before we were recording, but some of this is just based on draft spot. Like, Yeah, yeah, if you If you pick early or if you pick late, there's just players you end up not being able to take just because of where they go in their drafts. So You're either reaching super hard or getting super lucky if you're getting them. Right. Like, for example, if, like in the drafts that I have picked early like Mike Williams Cortland Sutton end up not being available for me but if I pick later they are so some of this is just that we've picked a lot from similar draft spots or um, players have fallen and we end up snagging them so it it's for many different reasons but it's players that we end up taking players we end up not taking uh, in our drafts this year in I think eight redraft leagues I'm in I have not picked higher than the 105 so a lot of my a lot of my, uh, or what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? My data, quote unquote, will be kind of from that lens because for whatever reason, I've just been unlucky and I'm not picking high. Yeah, I have been picking at the turn 
pretty much all my drafts. I had one where I picked at the 103, which was great. But yeah, I have I have picked at the turn just about every single draft, which has been fun because I feel like I've gotten really good picking at the turn, even though normally I don't like picking at the turn. Yeah. So I mean, which I is know. you get a experience at different spots. Yep. Before we get into all that, we've got some news to dive into. Um, as of today, what is today? September, uh, I don't know, something if. It is it's Labor Monday, Day. Labor Day, whatever day that is. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, it's presumed he's the starter. It's not It's not actually been officially announced. As I think far they as I did officially tell. announce it. Okay, did they? okay, there you go. So I, 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 see, I had seen that he was one of the team captains, and that... That, that is more kind or less of says he's going to start. Right. So you can make the inference. But Mitch Trubisky is the starter. Kenny Pickett kind of made a push there in the preseason. But regardless, it is Mitch Trubisky. Um, I don't Pickett, know. Pickett, I think, will start eventually this season. Definitely. Yeah, he's he's going to get some games this year for sure. Uh, I, to me, it's kind of a matter of just when. Uh, but, like, does that change how you view the offense at all that Trubisky's starting? Uh, or are you kind of... Like, for example, Deontay Johnson. Do you view Deontay Johnson differently if Kenny Pickett's the quarterback or if Mitch Trubisky's the quarterback? Honestly, at, at right now, I kind of view them all the same. The offense doesn't change really either way if it's Pickett or Trubisky. I feel like it's got probably a slightly higher ceiling with Trubisky, but, yeah, I, I do view them pretty similarly. I would give them... Like when I'm going into my projections, if Trubisky's a starter, I project just a little bit more to those receivers. But it's there's just it's not a huge difference. No matter which quarterback it is, there's so much unknown. So I'm not really gonna change either way, depending on who it is. Yeah. Um, Jason Peters was signed by the Cowboys. He was actually signed to their practice squad, so he's not actually on their active roster as of right now. But this is sort of yeah, in the wake of that. They, they need him desperately. Tyron Smith tore his knee up. He's going to be out probably the entire year, it seems like. But Jason Peters, 40-year-old left tackle, been around forever. Uh, he's likely going he, to like, play. Did he, like, tear his hamstring? So the way I read it, Tyron Smith tore his hamstring off the bone, and there was, oh, like, a God. patellar knee injury involved in it. Like, it was a really bad Oh, knee I didn't injury. know there was a knee, too. I thought it was just so, he tore his hamstring. Yeah, so when you tear your hamstring off the bone at the knee joint, it's a knee injury because like you're tearing it off your knee joint. Um, okay, as as best I understood it, but apparently it I did not pay attention in biology class. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, so yeah, anyways, uh, Jason Peters likely going to be playing at left tackle for the Cowboys. To me, it doesn't really change a ton. He's forty years old. Like he was. He was a decent left tackle for the Bears last year. Like I think he was the only good offensive lineman the Bears had last year. But still, he's a forty-year-old left tackle. Yeah. So I don't know. It's something reinforcements, but but maybe not. Maybe not a huge sign of good things to come. Just just helps a little bit. Yeah. Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson are both quote good to go per Sean McVay. So it looks like they're practicing in full. They're going to be good to go for week one. Uh, they they have both dealt with soft tissue hamstring injuries the past few weeks. Um, and I think a lot of people were worried about K-Makers especially because like with that, you just want to see him healthy at this point. 
uh, coming off of that Achilles. <laughs> the truthers have been waiting for two years on this. Yeah, uh, myself included. So I definitely want to see him week one. And I think, like, I'm, I am so jumpy on K-Makers right now. Like, I, I know the ceiling is absurd, but also the floor could equally, yeah. like, fall out. Like, I'm acknowledging... McVeigh loves him so much. Um, and historically, they always go with one running back. So you know that whichever running back sort of takes the reins in that offense is probably going to be really valuable for fantasy. It's just a matter of, like, is Akers going to really do it? And I think because I've got... I think I've only got one share of him, actually, but it's in a league that, like, I probably care too much about. And so I'm so nervous surrounding Cam Akers going into the season. I want him to be so good. I'm just not 100% confident in it. Uh, but this this Something, is good news. Go ahead. I, I mean, it. I guess it means he's probably going to start week one. Um, but it's it's still one of those like nebulous situations where a lot of people are fading him. So if you took Akers, he may end up being a huge value, but equally he could also end up busting as well. So it, it it's sort of one of an... One of those interesting running back situations. Something, I guess, kind of with that situation, I'd be curious what you think, is I'm still hearing a lot of stuff about Stafford's elbow. And I saw something today pop across my screen that, like, the elbow could be a problem all season long. If that's the case, I'm not saying, like, Stafford, Cup, and all those guys are going to be a bust. But if that is the case and it's just not 100%, does that mean they might have to lean more on the running game? And if so, does the volume increase for Henderson and Akers make up for the lack of efficiency the offense will probably have? Potentially. Um, but also, we I think we kind of knew when it first broke that this was going to be a season-long thing with Stafford's elbow. Um, I mean, it was a thing in the playoffs last year, and their offense was, you know, they won the Super Bowl. They were fine. So I'm... I'm not, I'm not overly concerned ship on about the elbow. I'm just... Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are actually scared about the elbow. And, like, I understand it if you're staring down Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson and you want a reason to take have Jefferson, one above guys. the other. Just yeah, do it. I mean, yeah, take take Jefferson. But but still, it's one of those things where, like, if, if you liked that offense, you're going to like that offense. And it's one of those, like, he's going to be fine, I think, in the grand scheme of things. It seems like one of those smoke and mirrors sort of deals where his ADP fades and you end up taking him. But I, I'm i not expecting it to impact the offense all that much, if I'm honest. Okay. Uh, the Texans signed O.J. Howard, which I don't know. It, he was cut by the Buffalo Bills in the offseason. It seemed for a minute like the Cleveland Browns were going to sign him. That didn't happen. He ended up signing with the Texans. They've already got Breven Jordan. Uh, I think they've got another tight end as well. I can't remember, but OJ Howard might be their third tight end in that offense. Uh, maybe their backup. I don't know, but I'm not. I'm not overly excited about OJ Howard on the Houston. I'm not Texans even offense. looking at him on waivers. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm passing. Next. Russell Wilson gets a $245 million extension from the Denver Broncos. He's now second He's in averaged annual value 
at quarterback. I think it's like a 49 point something million dollar average annual value, second only to Aaron Rodgers. He He's got broken off. Man. Yeah, I was literally just thinking when I read this, because like he signed a massive deal just a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, he's made so much money from the league already. I remember, th- like, he married Ciara. He got money from that. She's she has more money, money than him, I think. I think she does. <laughs> but this this man is probably worth, I, I don't know what his net worth is, probably north of $400 million from the NFL. This dude's made so much money. And that's not including his wife's money. Not including, oh my gosh. He's a billionaire. I don't. I think they bought a house in um, the Denver area, and he was posting pictures of it, and it was absurd. Like, probably Russell a trailer. It, it, they live in a trailer park. They they are trash. Yes. Can't doing the best they can with what they've got. Right. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. I he is tied to Denver for the next I think seven seasons. So he's their guy. Um. I think for the next couple of years though, the way they've got their uh, cap situation worked out they're gonna be loaded for at least you know this year and next year probably and then i think the cap will catch up to him a little bit um but you know the next two years i mean this this team it's absolutely in a super bowl window they've got a shot in that division i don't necessarily project them to get to the super bowl necessarily but they they have that window open um he's gonna be there till he's 40 years old he's their guy they're gonna they're gonna be one of the upper upper tier teams for sure. Definitely. Uh I guess in news that I am not really paying attention to, but it's worth noting, Trey Sermon was signed by the Philadelphia Eagles off of waivers. Kind of makes that backfield even more murky. So I'm not touching it, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't touching it beforehand, but I'm I'm definitely not touching the Eagles backfield right now. I'm still messing around with Miles Sanders here and there when he falls really late. But yeah, other than that, I'm stay away. I think the only back that I've taken from that backfield at all has been Kenneth Gainwell on just the promise of potential upside, but I'm taking him in like the 12th, 13th round in drafts. Late, late. Late, late. I'm definitely passing on Miles Sanders right now. Absolutely passing on Boston Scott at their prices. Uh, and then Trey Sermon. I... He just makes it weird. Like I don't, I don't even know if he factors in at all. I mean, he might mean absolutely nothing, but it's still, it's something. He was a third round pick. He's got draft capital, albeit from a different team. But it's still one of those things where, like, he had some hype coming into the season last year. I, I am just so off on that backfield right now, especially with this in there. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame you. And you're not even mentioning the fact that you have a rushing quarterback that stole all of Miles Sanders' rushing touchdowns last year. So Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. That, that probably won't change. No. It's stay away. Yeah. Other backfield that I have been telling people will be this more nebulous than they think. Actual news here. James Robinson, it's been announced that he's gonna play week one, coming off that torn Achilles week sixteen last season. This is honestly miraculous. I mean, we talked about Cam Akers coming back. I think it was six months or something. He came back from his Achilles injury. Five months? Absurd. James Robinson has done it. Maybe not that fast, but still. I mean, this is a miraculous recovery. I don't know who who these doctors are, but they're not getting paid enough. No, they they need more money. Um, This is really interesting, though, because 
People are still taking Travis Etienne in the third round of drafts. I met, We made a post. I will, I will say it now. We yeah, made man, a we, post, and we said, this is going to be a really interesting backfield. I, I have been fading Travis Etienne at his draft cost right now. Like I want him in dynasty leagues, obviously, but at his current redraft cost, I have not been taking him because I'm just so concerned that James Robinson's going to steal first and second down work, that he's going to be the RB1 in the offense. We already have heard from Doug Peterson and the coaching staff that James Robinson is the starter if he's healthy. Um, and he's already like he has proven that he this is their guy. Me. I know it does, but like James Robinson, when he's played, when he's been healthy, has been really, really good. It's like yeah, he's, he he's not I mean, giving him any reason to not play him. It's just such a weird situation where like you kind of you still want ETN for the upside, but I'm I'm I am afraid that James Robinson is going to end up hindering a lot of that. I don't know how the splits will sort themselves out. But I feel like you're going to end up not really wanting either one of these guys because they're going to vulture each other all year. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be pretty. Obviously, if you're getting one, you're going to if you have one, you, ETN is the favorite. But we actually did a post about it, or you did the post, and we talked about it on a podcast earlier this season. And I was way still way higher on ETN than you were, and the fact that he's coming back week one, and I keep hearing all this. I, I'm starting to drop ETN down too. I still think just because of the role he's going to play, ETN will be a still a, a valuable piece to the offense. If you're looking just on a pure talent standpoint, he is better than James Robinson. I'm sorry, like he's got he's got the burst, he's got the speed, he's got the receiving capability that James Robinson just doesn't have, and it's going to be more valuable for fantasy. That being said, James Robinson is still a fantastic running back, and they love him in Jacksonville. And rushing attempts, I mean, if he's 75% of what he was before the injury last year, he's going to lead the team in touches, I think. Yeah, I, so. I would agree. I'll put it to you this way. Are you taking Travis Etienne with this information factored in, or are you taking Damian Pierce knowing he's got a full workload? I would still prefer ETN. Just I think I would too. Not, not, yeah, and we're not talking about. Uh, are you talking about at ADP or yeah, at at because so, right now both are going in like the late third, and I'm not taking either one of them there. Oh God, I still can't. I mean, we had a draft today, and Damian Pierce went in the third round. That's ludicrous. I uh, cannot. He's put like him a, there. He, I'm sorry. He's a sixth, fifth, sixth round pick to me. Um, it's getting yeah, out of hand. I'm but, happy to take still, him in the sixth round. Oof. Yeah. I'll no, take I, a starting get, running back in the sixth round. I get why people are doing it, but yeah, that I'm not. Y'all, y'all have fun with that. I'm happy to be wrong there. <laughs> uh all right. Let's get into some guys that we're drafting that we're not drafting in our drafts this year. We're gonna start out with players that we're not taking anywhere. We've got three basically of everybody. Uh Ben, who are some guys that you're not taking anywhere for any number of reasons. Tell us why. Um, let's hop into it. The number one, one I'm not taking, feels like a little smart pick, but it's Debo Samuel. Every draft I've been in, I think I've done four in the past, like, eight hours. And, like, every time I come around and Debo is there, I'm not taking him. It's just, 
and it, it, some of it does have to do with where I've been drafting. But at the same time, after you got the elite tier of wide receivers that are going, you've got, you know, the Diggs, Adams, um, C.D. Lamb right there in the second round, and then there's a run on running backs usually. And then you come back around at the 2-3 the turn, sometimes middle of the third, and you've got Debo there. And with everything going on in San Francisco, like, and I, I love Debo Samuel. I love the player. I just, I, it doesn't feel good. I don't trust it. I don't think it's going to happen the way people think it will. He's not going to be as good as he was last year, plain and simple. And I, maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but mid-third round is not a price I'm willing to pay on him. Yeah, I I keep seeing him fall to the third round in a lot of the drafts that I'm doing, and I feel I can't like, do it. I feel like, you should take him, but I never That's do what the, either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's the same thing. Like everybody, he looks at you and like you're crazy. Debo's right there. I'm like, I, I can't do it, man. <laughs> I don't, I can't do it. Yeah, and maybe it's just because we sort of said he's a guy you should fade like all off season long. He's one of those guys we Did sort I, have of staked the claim on. Have I psyched myself out where I'm like just completely out on Debo? Like, am I crazy maybe. to pass on him here? We've done that with, and this is a guy that it's not on here, but he, we, neither one of us had taken him. I guarantee you, Amon Ross St. Brown is the kind of the same thing where I feel oh, yeah, like we said, <laughs> I feel like we said don't touch him, and we've sort of psyched ourselves out of him. And I've still looked, I've still looked at him like I should probably take this guy at some point, and I just never end up doing it. But I don't know. That's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, we were we were trying to be smart early in the offseason. He was like, you know, our big sell, don't touch Debo, stay away from Debo. And I, it's carried over, but, like, the argument still makes sense to me. Like, I, Trey Lance is there. I, it just it doesn't feel good to me. I don't like it. Fair and enough. I haven't taken him anywhere. Wild. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. Who you got, Josh? Uh, the main guy that... First guy, I guess, that I haven't really been taking anywhere is Devontae Adams. Um, really? I've been picking a lot at the end of the first round. I've been kind of in that first, second round turn, sort of that eighth to twelfth pick in a lot of these redraft leagues that I'm doing. And it's you, I mean, it's a 12 team league every single time. And I think that factors into this quite a bit. If it's a 10 team, an eight team league, I sort of. I'm not so bullish on going running back in the first round, but I found that when I'm sticking to my guns, I really want to lead the first round with a stud running back. Um, I have, I think I've not taken a wide receiver in the first round in any drafts that I've done this year. So I've said, you know, feel free to take Cooper Cup at like the fifth pick, fourth pick. Feel free to take Justin Jefferson. I haven't personally done that, but also like situations haven't really allowed me to do that either. Yeah. So in those later first round picks, Devontae Adams ends up being available in like the 111, the 112. And I just don't end up doing it. I end up taking DeAndre Swift. I end up taking Saquon Barkley. Um, I think I took, who was it? Maybe it was Aaron Jones one time. Um, that doesn't even sound right. I don't think I've done any Aaron Jones. It usually ends up being Swift or Barkley sort of at the end of the first round. Um, and then swinging around. I, and, I, I get it. Know, yeah, like I took... Stefan Diggs after the turn one time or I've done this a couple times I'll go Swift and Barkley on that first second round turn um, but I, I just end up not having Devontae Adams and you know I think some of that is born out of I just want to leave with a running back but some of it is 
in the first round, you want to take a wide receiver that you know is going to finish top five for sure. And honestly, you really want to leave with a receiver that you feel like has a good chance to be top three. And I think top three is a little bit more of a stretch for Adams this year. Like he could still have a great season and be, you know, the wide receiver six. But like at the 10th pick of the draft, I don't want to leave with the sixth best wide receiver. I want to leave with like the second or third best receiver or like the sixth best running back uh, just because of like positional scarcity and value. So I just end up passing on him uh, and going to other players. Yeah, and that's fair. Like if it's, and I think I still believe in Adams, um, top five upside, but I mean, yeah, I get it. If it's not Cup, Jefferson, or Chase, I'm taking a running back and being happy with it. Yeah, I sort of do the same thing. Uh, your second guy, a guy that you're not taking anywhere, Ben. Yep, and it's another one like, it's not, not a fault of the player, I guess. It's, I'm not taking Brees Hall anywhere. And again, it probably a lot plays into where I've been drafting is mid-late first, or mid-late, yeah, mid-late first. But um, he's going at that 3-4 turn, and again, just don't really trust him at that ADP if it's mid-fourth, late-fourth. I'm happy to do it, but just where he's going, you've got guys like ETN going close to him. And again, I'm not taking him there either, but I would rather walk away with a guy who's going around there, like a Mike Williams or somebody like that, rather than Brees Hall. I would prefer just an upside guy. Yeah, I've sort of done the same thing. I did get one Brees Hall share this year, uh, but it's because he fell into the fourth round and I snagged him there, but... Yeah, in the, in the third round, I'm not doing it. I'm thinking wide receiver. Some of this is also like how we're building our teams, right? We're probably going RB, RB, and then looking at tight end maybe or wide receiver, maybe even quarterback yeah. depending on how that falls. Um, yeah. But like I don't think, and I guess tell me if I'm wrong here, I don't think we've been going three like RB, RB, RB. I don't know if we're going heavy RB in the first three rounds this year. I just don't think I that's do that in- worked out that way. Very rare occasions, but it's always when somebody big fell. Yeah. So, yeah, Brees Hall. Third round, I'd, I haven't really touched him either. When he did fall in the fourth, I took him. But Moving on. Who's your next? Alvin Kamara. Um, this AK-41? one? AK-41? It feels weird. Not taking him? I feel like I, I'm not. I feel like I should, but it's it's some of the same things that have prevented me from taking Devontae Adams. I haven't taken AK-41 because I feel like DeAndre Swift or Saquon Barkley or both have higher upside this year. And I find that I'm taking a lot more upside guys this year than in years past. I always went safe with my first couple picks in the past. But this year I'm looking for, okay, like I want that relative safety. Obviously it's the first couple picks. You don't want them to completely bust. But I'm really looking for guys that I'm like, okay, could they finish number one at their position? And Saquon and Swift both have that as a potential possibility, and so I end up taking them. Kamara this year, I don't think that's a thing because I think his pass catching is going to be a little bit diminished from years past. They've got legit receivers in that offense now. I think he's going to be used more as a traditional running back. And 
I just don't see him getting I mean, like they did more catches. Of they did more of that last year, and he was still good. He was good, but he was like, still the like the RB six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't. I don't know. He just didn't have that ceiling like he had when he was just a weapon out of the backfield with Drew Brees. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong, and I think you some are. of this also was the suspension. Have you taken a lot of Kamara? Because I think you've only got I've, like one share of him. Not a ton, but I've taken a little. I've taken him a couple times. It's like the 203, 204 kind of stuff. I'm still happy yeah. to take him there. Because it's like like you're saying, you're going upside guys. Well, if I'm taking an upside guy like Jamar Chase in round one because you're picking like the 110, and then it comes back to you and Alvin Kamara is still there at the 203 kind of area, yeah, I'll take him. I've yeah, got my big play really guy in Chase, that. and then I've got my safe guy in Kamara. Yeah, and some of this is probably just how the, the board has worked out because I have been taking Swift or Saquon above Kamara consistently. If they were gone, though, in that early second, I probably would take him. Uh, it's just, for whatever reason, not quite worked out that way so far. Yeah, that's fair. Final guy you haven't taken anywhere. I have not taken Nick Chubb anywhere. I've got him in a few dynasty (laughs) leagues, but I have him in zero redraft leagues. And it's kind of the same story with Debo Samuel. Where he's going is that middle of the second round, and I I just don't like it. I like I prefer guys uh, who's going around there. Like Javante Williams, I think his floor and Chubb's ceiling are probably not far off, and Javante can catch more passes than Chubb ever will. So... If I'm picking between those two guys, yeah, give me Javante every time. Or it's a wide receiver, like, uh, gosh, who's going mid-second at wide receiver? Give me an like idea. Tyreek Hill. I'm drawing the blind. Um, Diggs occasionally. Yeah, dig. Oof, you're, if Diggs is in the middle of second, thank you. Uh, but, yeah, it's like Tyreek Hill, CD, Lamb, all those guys I'm walking away with before I get Nick Chubb. Yeah, I'm not taking Nick Chubb unless he falls into the third round, honestly. Yeah, and I'm and I'd happy with him there. Like he's another one of those guys I think is safe, but the safety of him, him, and he just he just lacks so much more ceiling than the other guys have right now. When Deshaun yep. comes back, it'll be different, but I'm not taking a guy who's probably not gonna be amazing until week eleven. He's gonna be good. I'm not saying Nick Chubb's gonna be bad, but I just don't trust it when I can get higher upside and a floor combined with it at his price yep. tag. Yep, definitely. Yeah, the uh, the final guy I haven't really been taking anywhere. And this isn't I think some of the others were like question mark related. This is not like it my, I haven't taken Mike Evans anywhere and I really don't know why. This is one <laughs> you always get burned with. Every Mike Evans is never a sexy pick and every year he's good. <laughs> And like every time, like I'm in the same boat of you, like, I should, why didn't I take Mike Evans? Why do I not have him? I I really would have thought that I would have had more Mike Evans this year. I think he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. He's probably, I, th- I mean, it might be a safe bet to be top eight, maybe. I don't know. It it really depends on the whole Chris Godwin, Chris, oh God, Chris, Chris Godwin, Godwin, Chris Godwin situation. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, he goes in like the mid to late third round and I just haven't been taking him. I've been taking T Higgins, Michael Pittman, and I have them projected similarly, but I just don't end up with Mike Evans and it's really weird. I don't really know why, but it's, it's sort of just how things have 
fleshed out this year that I just haven't ended up with any Mike Evans. Yeah. And yeah, kind of the same way. I don't have an explanation for it. And I know <laughs> it's going to it's gonna bite me because he's going to be good and I'm going to regret it, but oh well. Yeah, oh well. All right, the guys we are taking. Uh, we've got a few that we're just ending up with in every draft, most drafts. Maybe it's ADP, maybe it's where we're picking, but it's we we do like these guys a lot. So Ben, who are you leaving pretty much every draft with? I am leaving with Kyler Murray all over the place. And a lot of it's where I'm drafting. I never feel com- never going to take a quarterback. I'm not ending up getting Josh Allen anywhere and it's all because of ADP because I'm usually picking late first, mid first, early second, mid second. Never going to take a quarterback there. I'm sorry, Josh Allen. I love you. Please don't hate me, but I'm not taking you there. I don't end up taking Hurts, or not Hurts, Herbert, or Mahomes. Obviously, usually go not far after him in the third. But I do like him where I've been ending up drafting in the fifth, mid, late fifth. Yeah, I like it there because I like his ceiling a little bit better than Hurts. And... I've usually fleshed out my running backs, wide receivers by that point, so I'm looking for um, a positional advantage like Kyler Murray and getting him in the fifth, sixth round like that. I'm I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I've I've kind of done the same thing. We had a draft today. We ended up with Kyler Murray. I've probably got I don't know three drafts that I've ended up with Kyler. It's either Kyler Lamar for me or Jalen Hurts. One of those three, I end up with. Uh, one of them. I think it's it's mostly fleshed out to be Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray. Be, they end up being my quarterback. Just like, I don't know. I feel like normally I'm a wait on quarterback guy. Like go in the eighth round, take Tom Brady or Trey Lance, or maybe even wait on Kirk Cousins. But this year I'm not really doing that. I'm, I'm willing to take shots on Hurts, Murray, and Jackson in the fifth round. And it's probably just because their values a little bit deflated from years past. Where like last year, I think these guys were like fourth round picks, and quarterback in the fourth yeah, round. I just, think that's tough. I don't know why it's have, so different, but it just is. People have cooled on Kyler to a point where I think it's a little bit of an overcorrection. So yeah, I'm happy to take him in the mid late fifth every time. Yeah. First guy I have been leaving just about every draft with is Jamison Williams. Um, you can get him in like the 12th, 13th round in most of your drafts. He could be your last pick in your draft frequently. Like I, I end up taking him as the second yeah, you were, uh, to last or last pick in every draft I've been in. In uh, one of our follower leagues we're in, I'm the commissioner of that one, but you're kind of co-owner with me. And uh, we were in the late in the draft and you were like pretty, pretty much screaming at me, please take Jameson Williams. Take him, please. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're. I don't know what we're getting with him, but at that cost, like you're basically doing a waiver claim. And if you've got an IR IR. spot, yeah, just grab Jamo, throw him on the IR, and then later in the year you can see what you've got. Maybe it's nothing, but you paid nothing. What's the worst case scenario? You wasted your thirteenth round pick. That was probably a waste anyway. (laughs) See, normally you'd want a guy that you know early on what you've got. With him, you won't. I mean, you'll have to probably wait, I don't know, what, six weeks maybe until he plays, and it might be a good eight, ten weeks. I mean, it's basically Deshaun Watson. Like, he's not going to be relevant at all for possibly the first 11 weeks of the year. But 
I think you could have one of those guys that's really valuable down the stretch, potentially. And if you got him for nothing and you just stashed him and held on to him all year, he could be really good. The best part is he's hurt, so you can put him on IR and he's not clogging a bench spot for you. So it's like a win-win scenario. The worst is when you take a guy late that has upside that clogs a bench spot and never does anything. With him, it's great because he's hurt. You just put him on IR. Once he gets healthy, you put him back on your bench. But by then, I mean, he's got the draft capital. He's going to be invested in the offense. They're going to use him. So you'll know what you've got when he comes back. He's a freebie to me, and I've been ending up with him in just about every draft. Yeah, and I like that strategy with him. You're number two. I have ended up with Mike Williams all over the place. And there's kind of a, in the middle of the, in the mid-round, you're getting into the fourth round or so, and there's that cluster. There's three There's three wide receivers that always go there. It's Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, and DJ Moore. And nothing against the other two, just for whatever reason, I've ended up with Mike Williams. I'm kind of, I'm rising on him a lot. I'm kind of sort of calling a shot on him, I think. And I'm I might be probably going to be wrong, but I think he'll end up as the wide receiver one in that offense. Keenan Allen is great, but he is getting older. Mike Williams is a deep threat. He really showed out last year. I know he'll have disappearing acts, but his ceiling is just so juicy. And yeah, I like taking that that upside pick there. Yeah, and I think the- he'll be a little bit more consistent this year. Probably. That's that's the other caveat. He's probably going to be a little bit more consistent, probably have a little bit higher target share. The counterpoint to that is, in that cluster, I keep leaving with Cortland Sutton. And if you've been listening, paying attention to the show, that's not a surprise. He's my Shocker. Guy. Yeah, I'm, I am taking Sutton in a lot of leagues. Um, I, I have him projected as wide receiver one, so I'm if in Sutton on him. If Sutton sucks, it's going to be a bad year for you. <laughs> It will. I have Sutton in (laughs) dynasty leagues. I've got him in redraft leagues. Sutton is probably my most owned player. Like of my nine leagues, I think I own him in like seven of them. So I've got Sutton everywhere. Um, And I I just love, granted his his value has risen throughout the offseason, but if, if you're taking a wide receiver one in the fourth round or even late third, that's awesome. Because you're drafting him as like the wide receiver 16. Uh, and same thing with Mike Williams. If you think he's got a shot to be the wide, a wide receiver one, a top 12 guy, you take him. DJ Moore, same thing. If you think he's going to be a top 12 guy, you take him and you're so stoked about it. Because uh, you're drafting him outside of the top 12 um, and getting good return on value. You can get your running backs and then get stud receivers in the middle rounds. It's a fun time this year. I take Sutton yeah. more often than not, but I definitely do like Mike Williams. I want to leave with one of those three guys in my drafts this year. And I think I've done that just about in all of them. If one of those three goes, two of those three goes, I end up getting the third one. Um, for the most part, that's kind of how it's worked out. It's it's one of those situations, like kind of like you said, it's a win-win where, yeah, if you end up with the top 12, that's great. But they're still not going to kill you even if they're not top 12. Like you got them at a good spot no matter what. Right. Yep. It's a great return on investment. Most likely, depending on the situations, how they turn out. But I think all three are going to be really good. Number three guy you've been leading, leaving every draft with. Uh, kind of tying into the Nick Chubb, I've been leaving a lot with Javante Williams and also playing into where I've been drafting a lot in mid to late first. 
So when it comes around in the second, I've either taken a guy like, I don't know, a Joe Mixon, or I've gotten a wide receiver like Chase. So I'm looking for a little bit of safety along with upside, and I like Javante in the second. I get some people are still scared of him, but I'm sold on the Broncos' offense, So, and I think they will still lean on the running game a fair amount. Obviously, it's going to be Russ's show, but Javante's proven himself a good receiver. He's going to be a bowling ball carrying the ball. There's going to be a ton of touchdown opportunity. So he's going to have a good floor and his ceiling. What, top six, five, maybe? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, depending yeah, on the workload. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing not to love with Javante Williams. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a guy that I have been leaving a lot with is Jalen Waddle. And this one is, I would not have thought that I would be leaving with Waddle. I've actually told people when looking at the Dolphins wide receiver room to pass on Tyreek and leave with Waddle because you're getting, you know, Waddle's obviously cheaper and he's probably got similar upside to Tyreek Hill. Maybe not quite to the same level, but similar. But I still, like, if you put a gun to my head, I would have probably told you that I'm not drafting Waddle a ton. But going and looking at my leagues, I am taking Waddle a pretty decent amount. And it's usually because I either went running back really heavy early or I went a couple running backs and then took like Kyle Pitts in the third. And then, you know, I end up doing, you know, Jalen Waddle as my wide receiver one in the fifth round or something like that. And I usually feel pretty good about that. Like that late fourth, early fifth draft price for Jalen Waddle feels really palatable right now. Um, and yeah, he feels like 100%. a guy that he slips a little bit because people are scared about Tua and I get it, but there's just, I think with him, there's a point at which I'm like, he's, I got to take him. Like, I just can't really pass on him. He's not super sexy, but like, I just, I can't pass up the talent um, and the perceived upside there in that offense. So I end, I end up taking him. Yeah. I agree. He's a, he's one I haven't ended up with a lot, but I get why you have. Yeah, it's in looking in some of these leagues, it's just because I wait on wide receiver and I end up taking him and, you know, so you want to take the upside. Yeah, I just take the upside pick. You know, he he could end up being really really solid. We'll see how it all works out, but um You have time for a yeah. fourth? I think we got time for a fourth. Yeah, let's do a fourth. I am ending up with a lot of Damian Harris. I don't know about you. No. But <laughs> no? No, not really. That's surprising. I last year you loved taking, Damian Harris. I did last year. This year I am betting on the Ramondre side of that coin just because he goes later. And I think that's I think that's why I'm ending up with Damian Harris so much is Ramondre's rising and Damian keeps falling most honestly i've seen a ton of drafts where ramon j is going first and at least as of right now um harris is still the starter so it, it's kind of just obviously i'm not going to take him at value i i absolutely i agree i wouldn't take him there but he's falling to me in like the 10th round and stuff like that i'm like if how many how many times are you going to find a starting running back in the 10th round of your draft so i'm like yeah 100 percent. you know Give me, give me Damian Harris. The touchdown upside's still there. He's the starter. They're going to lean a ton on the running game. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. 
Yeah, I think what I'm realizing is I want pieces of this backfield. The problem is I don't want to take the first one. And so whichever of those two guys will fall to like the 10th round, the 11th round, I'll take him. In a couple drafts, Ramondre's gone early, but also in a couple drafts, Ramondre falls like literally to the 11th round. And I mean, I feel really good about that just because there's a chance he takes over. And it's it's the same way. It's vice versa. Like if Damian falls, I'd be okay taking him. Um, if Ramondre falls, I'd be okay taking him. It kind of is a price thing. It's not really it's, a love of talent. It's just if they fall to a certain point, I'll just snap them up. Yeah, I'm not in love with having to start either player, but it's a good option uh, when things break down. And it's, yeah, it's all kind of just dumb luck. It's price. People are scared of both of them, but they prefer Andre. So I've just gotten lucky, basically. And people don't want Damian Harris, so you're going to let him fall that far. I will gladly snap him up. Fair point. Uh, The last guy that I've been leaving a lot with is Traylon Burks. Um this offseason, I don't think, has done a ton to really help out his value. If anything, it's depressed it. Uh, so he's going in like the 11th, 10th, 12th round, sort of depending on your league, maybe even ninth. Um, and the Robert Woods hype is that he's the wide receiver one there right now. Right. So I end up taking Burks because it's really a talent bet, but it's also like, I, I don't know. Robert Woods is fine, and he goes in a similar spot and he's projected to go back to one they really do but if i'm looking at those two guys like does robert woods move the needle for me at all this year not really like is he gonna get any better in value than he is right now probably not but Traylon burks is an athletic freak and like if he takes over that wide receiver room is the primary deep threat play action jump ball guy on that team he could end up being really sneaky valuable. Like, there's a scenario where he finishes top 24 and you draft him as like the wide receiver 38. And that is, that's one of those moves that like, it's not a great move in the draft and you don't really feel amazing about it. But at the end of the year, you go back and you look at your roster and you go, oh, that's a guy that I got huge value from that I didn't really notice or care about until the end of the season when I'm in the playoffs. It's kind of a, a league winner. Yeah, a little bit of a league winner. So I don't know if he ends up being amazing, but at his current cost, I just kind of keep taking him as like my wide receiver four or five. Um, He's always a bench player for me. I'm not starting him. So that probably plays into it as well. In multi-flex leagues, he might be my second flex, but like he's not one of the core pieces of my wide receiver room. And it's sort of like Jamison Williams. Like I, I take a shot on him and just see what I've got. I think with Burks, one thing is you'll know pretty quickly what you've got. Um, At least you'll know the snap counts and, like, is he actually starting? Like, I think that's one thing you need to see is, is he starting week one? Um, Is he getting, you know, at least 45, 50% of snaps? And then you just sort of wait for, you know, rookie wide receivers tend to be a lot better down the stretch of their rookie years than they are in the beginning of the year. So... You sort of bide your time a little bit, wait for him to be better in the second half of the season. Um, and and he could end up being a pretty decent value. I think I had a couple of people that were like, you know, do you think he's the wide receiver one in the offense? And I'm like, I Frank, I don't know. He's just talented. Probably he's got good draft capital. Probably not. But, but he I mean, will he, end up that way. 
He's the 18th pick in the draft. They've got a lot invested into him. It would behoove them to get him involved in the offense sooner rather than later. So that is sort of a recap of all the guys we're taking, not taking in our drafts. Um, I'm assuming most people have already drafted. Uh, Let us know on Instagram. Yeah, two more days. Thursday night, opening night of the NFL season. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, it's such a good game too. Buffalo, the Rams, like that's fantastic. That's that's great football to start things off. Week one of college football tidied me over, but my my thirst right now is is right there. I can't. Oh, it's yeah, good. I, I cannot wait. A um, couple quick announcements before we let you go. Uh, if you want to talk to us more, you can find us on Discord. Actually, probably the best way to do that is DM us on Instagram, fantasybrothers underscore. Say Discord. We'll send you the link to the Discord account. we got a bunch of people in there talking fantasy football. Uh, you get your trades reviewed. We'll do AMAs, Q&As in there during the season. Uh, answer start sits. All that fun stuff. We'll do it in the Discord. We'll try to be live Sunday mornings to for uh, start sit questions. Uh, yeah, it's a fun time. I can't wait for the season. We're sort of figuring this thing out as we're going along too. Uh, but yeah, check us out on Instagram, Fantasy Brothers underscore. If you enjoyed the episode, uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Leave a review if you enjoyed the show. And we'll see you next week when it will be... Well, not next week. We'll see you later this week when probably... Probably... We'll wait till after the Buffalo game. Yeah. Yeah. It will... The NFL season will have started. It's going to be a fun time. Can't wait for it. Can't wait to do this season with you all. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.